Hi, I'm Sydney. And I'm Rueda. We're the new co-hosts for the Daily's News podcast, The Wrap-Up. Join us every Friday where we'll give you a wrap-up of our favorite news stories from the week. Plus fun trivia and exclusive interviews. See you on Friday. Bye. Bye. Peace. Welcome and thank you for joining us here once again at the Box Seat Podcast. I'm Josh Eddy. And I'm Caden Condor. And we're your guide to anything and everything college basketball related. Today is Friday, February 7th, and we'll be discussing some of the bigger games of this past week, break down some of the best and worst uniforms, as well as do a draft breakdown of a couple point guards in Cole Anthony and Nico Mannion. And as per usual, we're going to start out with some rapid fire. This is just a recap of the past three or four days in college basketball. Me and Josh are going to go back to back on some hot topics in the league. So Josh, let's start it off. First, we head down to Tallahassee, where the nail may have been put through the coffin of this UNC season. It turns out the Tar Heels kryptonite might be putting the ball in the basket with their nearly 12-minute field goal drought in the second half. This Carolina basketball team, for some reason, they play extremely passive when Cole Anthony is on the court. Players are just scared to shoot and create because they think their best chance to score on every possession is through Cole Anthony. In College Park, Jalen Smith has entered the All-American conversation as he has now scored double digits in 14 straight games. The Terps get their 13th straight win at home and have now launched into first place in the Big Ten. Jalen Smith is averaging a double-double this season at 15 points and 10 rebounds. He's the reason Maryland is at the top of the Big Ten. Penn State goes into East Lansing and puts out a game that has no business winning. This Nittany Lion team continues its upward trend with Lamar Stevens captaining the ship. And I'm happy for Lamar Stevens, who decided to skip the NBA for his final season at Penn State. And he's right now propelling the Nittany Lions to their first NCAA tournament appearance since 2011. Just 60 miles to the southeast, the game was taking place. An iconic uniform matchup came down to the uniforms with Xavier Simpson letting the Wolverines' chances slip out of his hands to give the Buckeyes their third straight win. Don't look now, but the Buckeyes have got some serious momentum and they're making a push for the NCAA tournament. Just when Creighton gets ranked again, they lose again, this time by 17 at Providence. In a season full of uncertainty, this Friar squad might be the epitome of inconsistency. Yeah, you're right. They've been a bit of an enigma this season. They have 10 losses right now, but they're somehow third place in the Big East. The losing streak is over for the Commodores. Vandy picks up a huge program win over the formerly undefeated SEC team LSU. The 26-game conference losing streak is snapped for Vanderbilt. (laughs) And the legend Will Wade is plotting his revenge, so watch out, America. Kamar Baldwin puts Villanova to bed in in this battle of cats and dogs with his cold-blooded step-back three giving Butler its first-ranked win of the season. Kamar Baldwin might be one of my favorite players. Uh, He will be a guy that the nation loves to watch and root for during March. This game was over before it even started with Purdue blitzing Iowa inside Mackey Arena. The Boilermakers made 19 threes and dropped 104 points in one of the most lopsided Big Ten games of the season. And this game with Purdue beating a ranked Iowa team this badly is the reason that I just can't trust the Big Ten right now. Outside of a 22-point collapse against the Sun Devils, this Arizona team is starting to come into their own with its fifth win in six games. Nico Manning got to the line 18 times and managed to score 20 despite only making three field goals all game. And what's impressed me about Mannion is he really just knows how to play. He's a very savvy guy. This just makes him a consistent force in Arizona's lineup. All right, that's uh, that's the rapid fire recap. Shocked so, up. Yeah, all, all good. Another pretty solid, pretty solid week. Um, got a few really quality ranked matchups. The both the ranked matchups were really good games. We're gonna kind of break those down in the Penn State, Michigan State, and Villanova Butler. So we're gonna head first to the to Michigan State where. Penn State got a, got a pretty big win in this one. They go into East Lansing, a place where Michigan State's only lost one game all season, other than, obviously, this past week. They lost, there was that one egg that they laid against Duke. And then, uh, yeah, this one also was was not good. So what were, what were your kind of your, your thoughts on this one coming out of it for both Penn State and Michigan State? Yeah, I this was one of the most entertaining games of the season for me. It was one of my first times watching this Penn State, Penn State team in action. And I've got to say, I was impressed with 
the way that it per- performed. They went into East Lansing, which is not an easy place to play. Michigan State was hitting big shots throughout the game, and they were really just pushing Penn State to take over that momentum, and Penn State never let the game slip out of their hands. That was, That's what I was most impressed with was the coaching, the players, the leadership on the court. Penn State was able just to stay within striking distance the whole game, and then when it came down to the final minutes, they just made more big shots than Michigan State did, and that was the difference in the game. Yeah, exactly, and you t- you talk about making those big shots. This is a game that Michigan State, they, they kind of needed to win. Like not It wasn't a must-win. They're going to be in the tournament no matter what, and it's going to help their seeding where they win this game and their resume, but this is a game where they're coming off a loss. They just lost in this past week, and now they're haven't lost back-to-back games since February 5th of last year. They were 10-1 and at home coming into this game. They, they always show up at home for the most part. And this is a pretty much veteran team. They knew they, they really needed this win. Cassius Winston was doing his thing in the second half. And Penn State just kind of came in there and they won that game. And it, it, it's not the best analysis, I know, but they won that game. They, w- they went into the Breslin Center and, and basically said, we're going to beat their ass, we're going to get this win, and then we're going to go home. And that's exactly what they did. And Michigan State hit big shots, but Penn State matched. And Lamar Stevens was right there down the stretch with Cassius Winston kind of trading blow for blow. And I think... It might. I think Michigan State is still a good team, but I think the better team may have won this game, and Penn State may be, if not the best team in the Big Ten, they're up there because they've they've shown time and time again that they could they could run with the big dogs. Yeah, uh, I really like this Penn State team also because they have the combination of Lamar Stevens and Myron Jones. Yeah, who seriously, is a guy that we haven't brought up yet on the podcast, Mm-mm. but he's a really good supporting player behind Lamar Stevens. He is that guy that Stevens can kick the ball out to. And he is one of the best shooters in the country, man. He went, he went uh, six for eight yeah. from three uh, last game and against Michigan State. And he was really in the first half the biggest factor behind why Penn State was staying within striking distance. He was the guy hitting the ridiculous shots from all over the court, contested jumpers. He he was hitting everything he took. Yeah, now he's he's one of the best shooters in the nation for sure. And I've I've seen him a few times. I remember against Georgetown. Earlier in the year, they they played him. I forget where it was at, but and Myron Jones, I think, had 17 points in the first half or something like that. So he was just filling it up, and he's capable of doing that. And we saw in this game six for eight from threes, insane 20 points for him. But the the other thing I like about this Penn State team is they know who they are. They're not trying to figure out their identity more. They know Lamar Stevens is our guy. He's going to get his timely buckets. Myron Jones is our shooter. He's going to stay on the outside. He's going to knock down big shots. And then everyone else can kind of get get their own buckets and kind of help get Lamar yeah. Stevens the ball. But then they got they got uh, Mike Watkins down in the paint, who's mm-hmm. one of the best shot blockers in the country. Yeah, and he actually came off the bench in this game, but still managed to I mean record a block, eight rebounds, ten points. But and then they also have a guy like Jamari Wheeler, who's one of the I, I've talked about him before, where he's kind of like Patrick Beverly, where he gets up in your grill and he's a really good defensive point guard. And they they know that they are they're a tough minded defensive team that is going to beat you up but they also have two guys that could fill it up and they know like I don't think anyone tries to do too much on the offensive end they get the ball to Stevens and honestly like with the season we've been talking about the inconsistency all year but when a team knows who they are and they have veteran players like that's going to be really dangerous in March and this is a team that that could make a run but they could also get bounced in the first round just based on what we've seen this season from everyone and that that sense of identity knowing who you are is just so valuable to this point in the season. Uh, that cannot be understated because there's still teams out there like Carolina, Some of the teams at the example, top even. Even teams at the top. Like Duke. Duke. Yeah, Duke I don't think really knows whether they're These they're teams gonna, don't yeah. have a go-to scorer and they don't have a go-to secondary player like Penn State does or a go-to lockdown defender. So for those guys on the court to know their roles just allows them to function as a team so much more efficiently and so much better. And that will allow Penn State to beat teams that they're better than. They're not going to lose games they shouldn't just for that reason alone. They know who they are. They know where they should be on the court. Looking at UW this season, for example, those guys have no idea where they should be. You know, Jaden McDaniels, <laughs> he, he thinks we, he should. You broke the rule of not talking about UW the rest of the season. <laughs> yeah, unfortunately, it's going to be used in this kind of negative light for the rest of the season or unless they can pick something up. But those guys don't know who should be the scorer, who should be the lockdown defender, who's the secondary guy. They don't know that. And 
it's very obvious that they don't just looking at their record. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, this Penn State team, I I was pretty high on this team. Like, I've watched them a handful of times for the season. I, I've liked what I've seen, but I did not think they would come in and win this game. Yep. I would be honest, and they did, and that that shows me a yeah. whole lot. Like, there are like, I mean, there's a lot of good teams in the nation right now, and there's a lot of teams I like, but. I think getting big road wins is something not a lot of teams at the top have really done. And this is a big road win. Like, we talk about Maryland all the time, how we don't trust them, because I think they won at Indiana, I think, a couple weeks ago, which is nice. But for the most part, their their road games have been really, really shaky. And to get a true road win in a really hostile environment like this is was huge for them. And like I said, I'm pretty high on this team now, but they could also lose the next game, and I wouldn't be too surprised just because of how the season's worked out. Yeah. I'm just excited. I don't know how the rest of the season will play out for them in the regular season mm-hmm. in the Big Ten tournament, but I do think they are good enough, and the record shows that they're going to make the NCAA oh, at least. Oh, for sure. We can agree yeah. on that. Unless they completely fall apart, which I don't see coming. Yeah, which is why I think they're they're kind of a team of destiny this year a little bit. They <laughs> haven't made the tournament since 2011. They've got Lamar Stevens back for his senior year. The stars have kind of aligned for them a little bit, so I'm, I'm hoping they can make a deep run in the mm-hmm. tournament. I don't want to see them bounced early. I think that fan base, the coaching staff, mm-hmm. the players kind of just need a deep run because this is a school that hasn't been associated with basketball in a very long time. Ever, really. Ever. I mean, yeah. That's... They don't really have a storied history like a lot of teams that are going up against in the Big Ten, which is why I want to see them succeed. Yeah, exactly. I, I'm, I'm right there with you. The one thing to be concerned about is you look into marches, when there's a team like this of Destiny, the other side of that coin is they've never played a tournament game. And sometimes, like, while it could be nice to not know what you don't know, it's it's a big difference when you have I mean, to compare to Michigan State, where you have guys that just went to a Final Four last year and they know what it takes, and this Penn State team's coming in bright-eyed and bush-tailed, and uh, they they don't really know what it's like to play in the tournament. That that could be their their crux also, but it it could be could be a blessing in disguise. So that's something to look forward mm-hmm. to. Uh, I will shout out Cassius Winston also in this game. It's really it was pretty obvious Penn State's game plan coming into this game for Winston. Penn State has a lot of guards they throw. I think they have about like four guards they play and they threw all of them on Winston. They just kept throwing guys on him, trying to just slow him down as much as they could. And, and Winston still put, I think he dropped 25 and 9 assists, and he was really good. So shout out to him. He's obviously been through a lot, but he's he's still the real deal. He's still a first-team All-American candidate. So people may have cooled on him a little bit throughout the past uh, past couple months, but don't worry, he's, he's still going to be... I got to be reckoned with come March. And player to compare him to in the NBA, who, do, who I would say Kyle Lowry. He reminds <laughs> yeah, me of Kyle Lowry. Yeah, the he veteran. Hit, the veteran, and he hits, hits those, shots. those pull-up threes, kind of with a man contesting it. Yeah. He, he loves that shot. He's a little little smaller, maybe not as strong as, uh, as Kyle Lowry, but he's, uh, yeah, I can see that for, as far as play style. All right, you want to move anything else on this one or move on to the next game? No, uh, next game we're going to be covering is Villanova Butler. Mm-hmm. Pretty good Big what East. What a finish on this one, man. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Pretty good Big East matchup. Two teams at the top of the conference. Two ranked teams. I think Villanova was ranked 10th at the time and Butler was ranked 19th. Does that sound right? Um, that, yeah, yeah, that's right. This was a close game. Very back and forth. What did you think about it? So this was... this. Okay, so coming into this game, this was a game Butler needed to win. Butler has not won... They, they have not won a ranked game all year. They've Or they've not beat a ranked team. This was a team that was fifth in the nation just a few weeks ago. They were fifth. They only had one loss, and it was, like, I think a one-point loss to Baylor. So that's a good loss. And then they lose four of their last six, and they start falling off a little bit. And they have an injury to one of their better bench players in Christian David, and they go from fifth to 19th. And they're also coming off a loss. And I think they lost to Providence or something. And this, this is a game they needed. They need to beat Villanova. They were at home, a really tough place to play, and they almost blew it, but they did get the win. And the story will be told, Kamar Baldwin hits the step back three, and basically and that, that wins the game, is at the horn. And it was a great scene. I mean, great call by Gus Johnson. What, also, what a, what a treat for us to watch a game like that, and we get Gus Johnson and Bill Raftery on the call. Like, that's just say, all yeah. time for a game like that. It's just like... That 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 takes the game from going to, from great to like legendary status when yeah. those two guys are on the call. Yeah, and Raftery might be one of the best commentators of all time. He is one of the best commentators yeah. of all time. Yeah. Oh my god. Yeah, he's so storied. He, I mean, he's old as hell, but he still is <laughs> senile. Like a guy like yeah. you see Diggy V where, and Bill Walton where they're old, but it's also kind of fun. Like their shtick is 
they're old and they they yeah, that they can they can self-deprecate a little bit that they understand that they're old and they have that <laughs> sense of self-awareness where they can kind of make fun of themselves and that's yeah. what makes it yeah you know but good to watch Raftery doesn't even like use that as an excuse man he just keeps no. throwing heaters man he's gotta get those puppies organized and then the little <laughs> nylon <laughs> little nylon but and gus johnson kiss. <laughs> and any any bank shot oh Raftery. yeah With the kiss. The kiss. <laughs> it's always when they're going to commercial break dude. yeah yeah yeah, no, he's Raf is awesome. But actually, I will say Raf might be the best commentator to ever go from a game to commercial. He, he yeah, he gets that, that transition. That, that yeah. transition is yeah. great because he some, sends you into the commercial. Yeah. Some commentators will just leave it blank, and it's yeah. like, okay, like what yeah. are we doing here? But yeah. Raftery knows he how it. to fill that space. Yeah, and Gus Johnson gets his. People may not love Gus Johnson. He is he for play by play guys. He's probably my favorite. Like Raft for for color commentary is. Like he's probably the my favorite. I mean, Bill. I like Billis a lot, also. But like, they're they're a lot different. Yeah. And Billis is kind of the new face. Yeah, Billis is the new face. He's a little. I think he's a little more like. Uh, no, he's a little more traditional. Whereas Rafferty is more like iconic and, and like his sayings and whatnot. But Gus Johnson is a guy that because he screams and yells and all that stuff. But like, that's awesome. When you're watching highlights, like I want I want my color or my play by play guy to be as hyped as I am. Yeah. Like I mean, some of the. Some of the the most memorable ones was the Isaiah Thomas shot over uh, in, in against Arizona to win the Pac-12 tournament, and I'm sure every Washington Husky fan when they watch that is just as hyped as Gus Johnson is. Like yeah. th- that's the gravity of the moment when there's a game on the line, a conference t- title on the line, and a spot in the NCAA tournament on, on the line. Yeah, and, and it's a one shot to win it all. It's like I want. What did Gus Johnson say in that one? Can you give us a little? Uh, no, I impression? I couldn't do it justice. Come on. <laughs> Nah, I can I can do it justice. You, you guys can check it out. Nah. <laughs> I don't want to break the mics, but yeah. Okay, so should we get to the game or? Eh. Yeah. Why not? Yeah. Okay, so Kamar Baldwin hits this three, wins the game. The tale will be told that this was so so sorry. So Butler Butler won seventy nine seventy six was the final. Yeah. Yeah. And so he Baldwin hits that three. Hit that it was, yeah, it was it was tied game going down in the last twenty seconds. He hits that setback three. Huge shot. Crazy atmosphere. Or whatever. But the, the people shouldn't forget, Butler almost blew this game. They were up 10 points with a little over five minutes left, and they let Villanova get back into it. And, the, again, the tale will be told. Butler won this game. Baldwin hit that shot. Then the prior play, Villanova's down three, coming down the court with under a minute left. They pretty much just got to get a stop, and the game's over. And so Gillespie and Sadiq Bey both were having great games. But Sadiq Bey was just raining in threes, and he had hit a three on the previous possession to pull it within three. And then, so there's a high pick and roll with Gillespie and Bay uh, at, at the at the top of the key, and they go and double Gillespie and leave Sadiq Bay on the three point line, who had just hit a three on you. They leave him wide open, and Gillespie just swings the ball and he hits another three to tie it up. And that's just like, shout out Butler, they won that game, and people won't be talking about this now. But that was an all time terrible defensive play from Butler, and. If had they lost the game, that would have been a bigger story, and we would have been talking about if this team can really close a game or if this team can be trusted. And this is like, I mean, again, they won the game, so good for them. But if Baldwin doesn't make that shot, and Villanova has all the momentum going into overtime, is this could be a completely different story. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I would, I would kind of agree with you there, but I would also say more power to the Butler Bulldogs because they did. You know, you are going to make mistakes, especially when you're closing a game. Those mistakes are going to happen, especially at this point in the season. But it's kind of, it's important to recognize that they were able to overcome those Mm -hmm. mistakes, you know, because in March, not everything is going to go your way. And I think the fact that they were able to overcome that adversity is definitely a good sign for them. Again, this is a game, like you said, they could have very easily lost. So Mm -hmm. that, that is worrying. But even a loss in this game, like Villanova lost, but I still don't think... I still think it was a really well-played game by them, and I don't think mm. this is a huge deal for them. They looked really good. They were moving the ball well. Gillespie is able to control. He, he really is a great point guard. He's yeah, a floor he, he's general. gotten a lot better over the season. He's a floor general who can kind of, you know, you said Sadiq Bey had, what, 26 points? No, I think it was 29 after that last three, but yeah. Which is, which is a great game for him. Great game for he's, him. He's been playing really well also. And Gillespie is no slouch either on the offensive end. He's able to get some buckets too. So I think he is 
the leader of that Villanova squad who I was impressed with watching this Yeah, one. exactly. Almost and as much as Butler. Butler still impressed me a little bit more. Yeah, I mean, yeah, Butler won the game. Villanova is probably a team with a higher ceiling than Butler. I don't know. We'll see. I think they're both kind of in that. Both? I think they're, they're both their ceilings is kind of sweet 16, but we'll yeah, see. Well, they're both very well coached, too. They are. They are. You can tell. Just yeah. from that, I think just based off of the coaching, they could even go farther than Sweet 16. They could. I mean, I I, I just like other teams more than them, which obviously anything could happen. But I, I've kind of given Villanova a little bit of shit throughout the season. Now I don't think they're as good as like their ranking has indicated. Like they were t- they were ranked 10. I don't think they're one of the best 10 teams in the nation. Mm-hmm. But they've won good games and they almost won this game, which would have been a huge win for them. But I do like they have three guys that can go and get you a bucket. They have yeah. Sadiq Bay. Colin Gillespie, you mentioned, and also uh, Jeremiah Robinson Earl, freshman. He's been really good for them. Yeah. I don't think he had a particularly great game in this one, but he, he's been really good also. They they got some other guys. Their defense is a, lo- a little shaky at times, but, again, they're Villanova. They're Jay Wright. They're, they're going to be in the conversation no matter what. So, I mean, a lot of people kind of give them the benefit of the doubt, but I, I just don't see it really. It's, it's a really high-caliber potential team to win at all. Yeah. One, one other pretty funny thing about this game, probably the first rain delay in the history of college basketball Dude, happened uh, when the roof of Hinkle Fieldhouse sprung a leak. Yeah. Uh, it only took them 13 minutes for the trusty Midwestern folk to go up and patch that <laughs> patch that leak up. And the game just kind of carried on, obviously. It was yeah. in the first half, so it wasn't a huge deal. You yeah, know, it, it was like five, ten minutes into the game, man. It was quick. Yeah, and I saw them. They, were, they had like eight or nine towels on the ground trying mm-hmm. to, like, wash it up or whatever and I think they sent some some guys up to the mm-hmm. to the roof and they were trying to duct tape it and they had buckets up there too. Yeah, there's the the infamous red bucket and and the rafters. And then the the I think it was Gus Johnson had to make a joke about uh and they get buckets. They get buckets. <laughs> <laughs> it yeah. was just one of those corny, you know, dad announcer commentator jokes. Oh yeah. No, I was loving it. But yeah, I remember that I saw guys like going up there, and there's a dude with a with the whole trash can walking, like climbing up the ladder with a trash can. Like this is, yeah, this, you, that was. You, you it's a tell. very seasoned <laughs> arena. It's it's very old. You can tell that they'd never had that issue before. Oh my gosh, yeah. But yeah, that was that was strange as hell. Because like, I remember they stopped the game and they like pointing up at the sky. Like, what the hell's going on? And yep, there you there you go. It's the yeah the rain stretch. And they even they even said before the game that it was pouring down rain. And there was a little bit of foreshadowing, yeah. but obviously did not see that coming. It's the announcer's jinx. Yeah, exactly. That game was as crazy as that as that um, that delay there. So, all right, we're you got anything else on that one, or move on? Well, let's let's keep moving. All right. So uh, this weekend we got the the best or second best college basketball rivalry. This is in Louisville, Kentucky, or both both one A one B. But uh, so Duke North Carolina tobacco road rivalry. Greatest game, greatest rivalry, whatever, whatever you want to say. Uh, we're getting the graphics of the last hundred games. Got the 50-50 wins with the exact same point total, which is still ridiculous. But we've been seeing that a lot the last week. So the only problem with this game, everything's great. Everyone loves this game. What's the problem, Caden? What's what's going on with this one that we don't we don't love? Well, the problem is North Carolina's two and eight in conference. <laughs> so the the expectations for this game is that, oh, it's going to be a really exciting, high-octane, close, back-and-forth game that's going to go down to the wire. I There's some stat. I think right now they're cur- the teams are currently tied over their 100-year history or, or however long they've been playing each other. They're, they have the same amount of points, and their records are almost identical. Uh, yeah. So, again, people are expecting a back-and-forth game, and, but Carolina just isn't having a good year. Their best player, second best player, rather, Brandon Robinson, is out for this game. Uh, Cole Anthony is going to have... You sure he's not their best player? <laughs> well, we'll see. Cole Anthony is going to have to shoulder a bigger load than he even had to before. So somebody else is going to have to step up if Carolina is going to stay. It is at Carolina, mm-hmm. so that is the one thing we have going for them. It's not at Duke. Yeah. Um, but, yeah. Those it's Duke gonna... fans, they don't travel also. They don't travel that far. <laughs> No, they don't sell. They don't sell tickets yeah, to Duke yeah. fans. They're wearing the wrong color of blue. They don't let you in. <laughs> exactly. The Carolina fans. That it's eight miles away, so they know what they're doing. Mm-hmm. The the thing I was gonna say that's wrong about this game is uh, the uniforms. Oh god. <laughs> so we're getting. You probably have seen it. There's um, new uniforms they're using, which are I mean throwback. I'm throwing up the air quotes for throwback because I don't think they really are. Um, they're basically just practice uniforms yeah. they're using. We'll show you guys a picture on Twitter later. Yeah, today. we'll yeah we'll we'll post it. But 
I mean, you guys may have seen it already. It, it was kind of hyped on Twitter, but if not, we'll definitely we'll definitely show you. But they're just pretty much it's like color rush almost. Where and I kind of like the idea of both of them wearing their blues, but not like this because it's the front uniform. The front uniform, just to describe it, is just the logo mm-hmm. of each team. Like no numbers, no names, no nothing. Just like that, and like a Nike logo or yeah. Jordan logo. Is like their <laughs> their thought process behind it was. It, oh, it's the hundredth anniversary of both of these teams playing each other. Yeah, so, so let's throw make this back a, to these uniforms that have never been worn. Let's make this as simple as possible. Let's just put each of the teams' logos right smack dab in the middle of their jerseys, so you can't see anything else. Mm-hmm. Way too big. Way uh, too big. I think the Carolina colors look better than Duke's, but maybe that's just you know personal bias. Yeah, I, I agree, just because the Carolina blue is like the best. Yeah, the baby blue. Um, the Duke Duke's got the navy blue. Uh, yeah, or this is like blue blue it's like just yeah. straight blue but yeah they're they get the navy blue for their brotherhood uniforms which are <laughs> that's their own story but yeah sometimes they say less is more this is not one of those cases it, it the only thing that could have made these jerseys worse were like sleeves like that mm-hmm. would have been just all time but and if you're going all the way you might as well go all the way on that yeah. on that front but yeah. i would almost respect it more they're just like all right whatever but yeah, so this is this is gonna be kind of an ugly game in, in that regard. <laughs> maybe maybe the on the court also. Yeah. But yeah, and the worst part about it is like Duke and UNC both have awesome uniforms. Mm-hmm. Like they're both like in the top, I don't know, ten. Like UNC, I mean, we've talked about is maybe our, maybe the best uniform in all of college basketball. Mm-hmm. And Duke's right out. Like I know you don't like Duke, but their uniforms are pretty solid also. Yeah, they're 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 classic. They're iconic. Mm-hmm. I I do hope. I mean, I really like the Carolina Argyle. I think that's mm-hmm. one of the biggest exactly. parts and about them. that's not on the uniform. And it's not on them. I hope that they do something with the shorts, because I've only seen the, the tops. It's like the, the same thing. It's just nothing uh, really. See, yeah. that would be cool if they put the, for Carolina, if they put the actual Tar Heel Ram on the short. That'd be cool. And then for Duke, maybe a blue, blue devil. devil. <laughs> yeah. Uh, Coach K on the shorts. <laughs> that's the weirdest logo to me now, That like a blue devil. What? Like Wait. How does that come about? Or how about a Golden Hurricane? Tulsa. <laughs> Shout out Tulsa. Shout out Tulsa, yeah. But okay, so we're going to go down, go through and break down some of the best and worst uniforms. Mm-hmm. And uh, do you want to start with your, your best? Uh, I'm just going to go with Carolina for my best. Yeah. Because <laughs> I don't have anything else. Yeah, um, I hear you there. I can start with my worst. Go for it. Uh, my worst, I got Oregon State. Tinkle, the Tinkle family. Uh, I don't mind those. I kind of like them, but I just, I, I, just might don't be like, I just don't like the orange. The orange yeah, is just the it's ugliest. A little, it's a little much. In, in football, too, I, I don't like it either. Yeah. It's just like orange, black, and white are just the most like non-complimentary colors that I can think of. But Unless you're the Bengals, then it looks awesome. <laughs> yeah, but that's a better color of orange than orange. Yeah, no, yeah they, they have, it's very it's loud like a, orange. Yeah, yeah. It's Good like, adjective there. <laughs> and then my second worst is Iowa State. Uh, only yeah. one of these jer- jerseys. They have a similar. They wear this like weird like mahogany, reddish yeah, orange an, yeah. color with like, just Gold. just Iowa State on their fronts, and it's just it's just boring. Yeah, it's not not doing too much for you. No. So those are my those are my worst two uniforms. Yeah, for me, I have a top three for the worst, and um, th- I think these new Duke ones. Like I said, both the Carolina Duke are not good, but the Carolina has the edge because the baby blue I think is better than Duke. So the Duke comes out number three. Number two, Kansas State. They're, like, all gray with the purple mm-hmm. accents. It's like I think just all gray look bad regardless of what team you are. And then uh, New Mexico State has these ones that have Aggies across the front, but it's, like, huge and really bad spacing, mm-hmm. and it looks it looks disgusting. So shout, shout out those teams for having <laughs> terrible uniforms. Uh, my best three, number three, um, some people don't like these, but I really like Arizona's uniforms. I, I like the white with the kind of uh, the kind of two tone down the sides and down the shorts with the gray kind of uh, transition. I think looks really nice. Uh, DePaul's black uniforms are so clean. Those are like they're black. They're all black except for they have like they're like royal blue and red accents on it, and it's it's pretty nice. They they don't wear it very often. And then number one, Seton Hall man. Seton Hall's really? with the cursive. Okay. Okay. And they're f- the cursive on it's so clean, yeah. and then the numbers are kind of like blocky, and it's kind of a nice contrast. And it's like, seeing Hall might be my favorite. Like either blue yeah. or I think I like the blue a little more, but even the white's right up there. Like yeah. so they're, yeah. Shout out Seton Hall. I'm excited to see those in the tourney for sure. Yeah, I hope they bring them out. No, yeah, of course, man. That's I mean, that's pretty, pretty much all they all they wear. Okay. All right, we're gonna take a quick break, and then we'll be uh, we'll be back in just a minute. 
Hey guys, I'm Turlove. And I'm Emerson. We co-host a podcast at UW called Red Square. Every other week, we stand on Red Square and have conversations with people who open up to us about love, discovery, surprise, and sometimes even whales. We believe that each person has a story, and in sharing them, we can build a little more empathy on our campus. So head over to uwpodcast.com and listen to Red Square. And we are back. We are going to transition now to our draft spotlight section. Uh, me and Josh are just going to give our top pick. Every week we're going to start giving our top pick at every position, which player we think will be drafted higher. Um, this week I'm going to be covering Cole Anthony, and Josh is going to be covering Nico Mannion. I'm going to start out with Cole Anthony. He's a 6'3", 190-pound freshman. Uh, he's from New York, currently hanging around 10th in the NBA draft stock. That's kind of where he's at. He sat out a couple months at the beginning of the season due to an injury. Uh, I think his stock could rise with some good play to close the season, though. It's a bummer that he really had to play on such a bad, just a bad Carolina team this season because he's had a lot to give the league, I think, but unfortunately he just hasn't really been able to showcase his full arsenal. He's a guard that can finish with the best of them. He can also hit step back and clutch threes. He's a better With a better team around him, I think he could be a top-five pick, but obviously his injury has set him back, and I don't think he's been able to you know, get the real opportunity this year that he could have if he went to a better team. But again, he's going to be an NBA player. He's going to be able to create and be a force in the league, I think, for years to come. I think these two guys are pretty similar, and Cole Anthony and Nico Mannion. They they have pretty similar play styles. Um, they're both more of an offensive guy, and they're kind of as good as their teammates around them at times. I, I mean, Cole Anthony, both these guys can score with the best of them. But what really sets them apart is their playmaking, and I think both these guys are really good playmakers. And Cole Anthony, like you said, the pieces around him is uh, makes it a little more difficult for him to get those uh, get those assist numbers and, and really make those plays in transition and, and even in the half-court sets. But I, I like Cole Anthony. I think one of the more underrated parts about Cole Anthony that a lot of people, I mean, they probably know, but they don't think about very much, his dad is Greg Anthony, who is an NBA player, and there's been a trend of success for sons of NBA players in the league. Like, just because you know what it's like, you have a guy that's done it before, that's been Mm -hmm. successful in the NBA, and very successful in Greg Anthony. And they know what the preparation's like. They know what it's like from back-to-backs to to playing four, or I guess I don't do that more, but three games and four nights or something, if you have something like that. So... And they know what it's like to be in a locker room and be a professional. And I think I think that's something that is is really helpful where you have guys that maybe don't have that and they might have a slower mm-hmm. start coming into the league because they're still trying to figure stuff out. Yeah. But a guy like Cole Anthony kind of already has the blueprint for him yep. that he's been taught probably mm-hmm. his whole life. And I think, I mean, a guy like Donovan Mitchell is another guy. Like his dad was an MLB player, which is different, but he had an impact immediately in the NBA. And the... Cole Anthony could be the exact same way where he has an impact right away. And another underrated thing about Anthony is his attitude, his perspective on everything. Obviously, he has his dad who played in the league before, so I think he has the blueprint there. But he's very, very confident Cole Anthony is in his ability on and off the court. There's one Carolina football game where he started, he ran out on the field and started doing push-ups with the cheerleaders just just because he can, you know. He has that confidence. Mm -hmm. He has that perspective he's, he knows he's only going to be at Carolina for a year so he's really trying to make the most of it and he's really his own individual and that's what I like so much about him because he could have gone to a lot better schools with a lot better chances of winning the tournament this year mm-hmm. um, there were better teams out there even before the season started but he kind of chose to make his own path and like blaze his own trail mm-hmm. shout out to Portland um but he really, he really was his own individual in that, and I like that a lot about him. He could have, he could have stayed injured. He could have set the whole season out. He wanted to go back and play with this team and, and help try and propel them to an NCAA tournament. And I think that attitude will really fit well in the NBA, because as as a pro, you have to go out on the court and be ready to play every night. And I think he's a gamer. He's a guy that will be able to do that. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I I 100% agree with you as far as. He could have definitely sat out the rest of the season. And really, I mean, everyone would have understood because guys that are one-and-dones, they're really, at least the outside perceptions, they only care about going to the draft. Cole Anthony, 
well, that that obviously is something he's concerned about. He he really cares about this Carolina team, and he he's a winner, like, and he wants to win. And I think that is something that's really underrated. Like you see a guy like Wiseman, where he it's kind of a similar situation. Obviously, it's not an injury, but it's the kind of FBI stuff swirling around, and and, and, the, and the suspension, and then he just decides to sit out the whole season. And if I'm an NBA GM, some guys may not look into that much, but I always want a guy that wants to play basketball. And yeah. I think, well, I, I wouldn't necessarily take that much away from Wiseman because I do think he's just doing what's best for him. I like a guy that wants to get out on the court and wants to play and wants to win for his team. I think that's a really under underrated value in mm-hmm. in today's basketball world and basketball perception. Is I think that's on receipt. And I mean, bring it back to Washington, a guy like Isaiah Stewart is a guy that really wants to win and I think that's a really valuable asset yeah and Jaden McDaniels at times looks like he could care less about about college yeah. and he cares more about the draft see look you brought it back to Washington too. I know right we're, we're both take a in, drink yeah we both <laughs> can do that at times uh I actually think with the whole Jay Wiseman situation just kind of going back to there really quickly I I really don't understand it I I know that he's doing what's best for him but I think what's best for him would be playing yeah, I mean, he was the number one guy yeah, coming out of high school. He's going to, like... I just don't understand yeah, what the he's point... He's not helping his draft stock at all by not playing. I just don't understand what the point of, okay, you're going to go to college, you're planning on playing college basketball. So what changed? You're not injured. Like, I understand the whole FBI investigation, but after the investigation, I think that would make you want to play more. So I really don't see where he's coming from there. I don't think I ever will see where he's coming from. Mm-hmm. I think only he knows where he's coming from, obviously. But yeah. I just I don't agree with that decision to to stay the rest of the year out. I I think he should want to play and yeah. help and help his team. I I hear you. I I agree with you. But at the end of the day, there the reality is there's guys that don't really care about culture basketball. They care about going to the NBA. And then why did he go to Memphis? Why didn't he just go and play because overseas? He got I don't. Paid. <laughs> <laughs> no, no. I mean, yes, he might have a point. Yeah, but. And Penny's his guy, but where he's, yes, and I still think the also the blueprint is still going to, at least this year the blueprint yeah. is still you gotta go to college, you gotta play a year. We've seen that the past almost decade now, mm-hmm. and now we're starting to get towards the international thing with the guys like R.J. Hampton and Lamelo Ball. So we could see that more in the future. Yeah. But the blueprint coming into this year was you gotta go to college for a year. Yeah. Like that. That's just what you gotta do, and. Some guys really embrace that, and some guys are just looking forward to the next step. And Cole mm-hmm. Anthony, to bring it back full circle, he's one of those guys that embraces it. And you kind of were mentioning the stuff on the football field and where he's he's really excited to be in Carolina, in Chapel yeah, Hill. He knows he's only going to be there for years. So yeah, yeah and I feel a little robbed that he's been injured because he's so fun. He's one of the most fun guys. And coming into this year, I was really excited for him, not yeah. only on the court but off the court. And and his his antics on the court are fun to watch too. Yeah, he's awesome. He's not afraid to talk trash. He's not afraid to talk to the refs. He plays with his emotions on his sleeve. Got and a lot of confidence. College basketball needs a player like that right now. I don't think they have that guy. No, it's it's kind of a, a down down year as far as stars yeah. and. He was the guy that was going to – I was really putting my stamp on, like, yeah. this is going to be the guy that everyone's going to really – he's not going to be Zion, but I think he's going to be close. And yeah. and this was – and obviously the injury sets him back, but yeah. it's kind of a bummer. This year has been a lot more team-oriented as opposed to player-oriented. Definitely. It's kind of just teams are the ones that we're following, not necessarily individual players. But another individual player you wanted to, yeah. to, to focus on was Nico Mannion in the draft spotlight. Yeah, so this is a 6'3 point guard like Cole Anthony. I don't know his weight, but I think he's similar. Another freshman averaging 14 points per game, just under six assists this season, and his shooting splits are 42% from the field, 35% from three, and 85 from the free throw line. Uh, all right, splits. Um, I mean, could be better, but could be worse also. I think something to really harp on here. He's he's a redhead. I'm a I'm a redhead as well. He has a chance to be an all-time redhead player. So number one's Bill Walton, like big red. That's that's not being touched. But number two, on the other hand. I mean Blake Griffin, like, I mean, yeah, yeah. sure, yeah. but I'd give him a redhead. I, I give him one, but yeah. Besides that, though, it's like Dante Divincenzo. He's he's solid. Matt Bonner, Red Rocket. I mean, not doing Brian too much Scalabrini. there. Brandon Scalabrini's the other one. So he's he could be in that third, maybe even jump Blake Griffin if he has a good NBA career. So that's something to really look for, and that's something that I I take very seriously. Yeah, so. <laughs> and, he, and he doesn't just shave his head. He doesn't buzz cut mm-hmm. it either. No, he, no. He's got he, a dangling. He lets it go. Yeah, yeah. He's uh, the fade on the sides and then the curl up top. And yep. 
Yeah, no, he, he does not shy away from his identity, and that's what you love to see. You love that confidence. That's <laughs> NBA draft scouts will definitely be looking for that. But, yeah, so like I kind of said earlier, he's pretty similar to Cole Anthony. He's a guy that's a playmaker and a scorer. He's a great passer, really good on the pick and roll, in, in transition as well. I really like his, like, floater game, his, like, mid-range kind of – I remember, I think it was against Illinois earlier early in the season – which is a while ago, but I was really impressed with him and Najee or him and Jeter would be on these high pick and rolls, and he would just kind of get around, get to the free throw line, and throw up a, a floater or a runner from that far out, which is really hard to do, especially for like an 18, 19-year-old guy. And he was making almost all of them, it seemed like, and that's that's pretty much impossible shot to guard if you come off the screen, right? So that's something that, like, I mean, just that small thing was like, wow, this guy can hoop. He could put the ball in the basket. And he's got all the tools from three-point line he could come off the screen hit a three he could obviously catch and shoot he could even hit step back so that's something that really translates well to the NBA his defense leaves a little bit to be desired he's not a stalwart on that end he's I mean average at best I think he's can kind of get lost and uh, disinterested it seems at times but I mean it's also college so we'll see uh, he turns the ball over a little too much but he's also young so those are a couple semi-red flag for him so the thing about Nico is like I really like him I'm not sure what his like it, it's a weird year for point guards because I think of the NBA is almost like oversaturated with point guards it seems like everyone has their point guard for the most part and I'm Nico mean it might be the fourth best point guard I mean who knows it, it could really change so you got LaMelo Ball who's looks like he's gonna be a top three guy which I haven't really watched LaMelo Ball but I trust people that are watching him I guess and you got Cole Anthony, Tyrese Halliburton in Iowa State's another guy that people are really high on. He's he's kind of different than those other three, and, well, and then obviously Nico. But so he's kind of different because he's longer. But we'll talk about him another time. But all Ball, Anthony, and Nico all kind of remind me of each other. They're all pretty similar. They're not super big. They're really good offensively, uh, really good playmakers. And I think Nico might be the third best of those three, which could really hurt his stock, where he could be a, a really late lottery guy. Mm-hmm. So. I don't know, he's in a weird spot, and like I said, there's not a lot of teams that are looking for point guards right now, so yeah. I'm going to be interested to see where he goes. He could be, I think, in the in the mid, mid to early teens, or he could even could be later, Yeah, unless he has a good rest of the season. Yeah, he reminds me a little bit of Lonzo Ball. Um, yeah, a little shorter, he, but yeah. A little shorter, but the way that he can distribute, uh, kind of like the same floor general qualities, mm-hmm. you know, it'll be interesting because I think he could raise his draft stock if Arizona can make the tournament and make a they'll make the tournament make a yeah. good run yeah. uh, I think he could rise a little bit in NBA ratings if you're ready we can move on to yeah I should have a couple more but to say on the tournament side this is the for, only of those point guards this is the only of those point guards that's, that's going to be in the tournament I mean sorry to break it too with North Carolina yeah, but the truth hurts uh, like Tyrese Halliburton Iowa State yeah, no, trash LaMelo Ball I don't think it's going to be in the tournament well, unless <laughs> LeVar, he transfers LeVar might have something <laughs> to say about UCLA. that but no, so that's so he could really raise his stock if he has a good tournament yeah. and a good rest of the season. Just some teams I think that might be looking for for a point guard. Detroit, I think they have Reggie Jackson. So there you go. He could be looking for uh, Nico there to pair alongside Blake Griffin. The two redheads together could be very very exciting. Washington if they're done with John Wall, but like I said, it's kind of weird. Not a lot of, not a lot of teams looking for point guards. NBA comps I have for uh, for him. C list Steve Nash. So. <laughs> Like I mean, not Steve Nash, but like a few pegs down of like like kind of a similar mold, but not not as good. Um, and then like a realistic expectation could be like D'Angelo Russell. I think is a kind of not not quite as big, but uh, a guy that high usage has the ball in his hands a lot, can make plays on the pick and roll, can also hit step back threes, but isn't necessarily an all around star, but a good player. Okay, yeah, I'll, I'll take that. <laughs> all right. Are you ready to move on? Now? Yeah, yeah, I'm good now. I got all, got all of it off my chest. <laughs> you got to ride for your for your redhead brother, dude. Hey, shout out Nico, Nico Nation, Nico Nation, dude. One of our last segments we're gonna get into is the odds and ends. Mm-hmm. Uh, we just got a couple random, just fun facts, basically. <laughs> um, our first story is Xavier Simpson, senior guard for the Michigan Wolverines. He recently got suspended for crashing the Michigan AD's car. Yep which is a really strange story in itself. <laughs> he was only, I think he was only suspended for one game, and he was reinstated after that, Yeah, uh, which is also strange. 
Do you have any thoughts about this? I have so many thoughts about this. Yeah. I mean, I'm, I'm not going to get into it too much, but this is like, like, what is going on? Like, So first of all, the AD, not even the coach, the AD, the athletic director at Michigan, I, I hope he lent Simpson his car. If not, Simpson just took it, which is like, and then not only that, but he also crashed. Like, what is going on? Like, this is this is the kind of story. And it just <laughs> it just seems like it might have something a larger story to it, doesn't it? I mean, I'm not gonna look into it like that because I don't think it's like that big of a deal. I just think it's a hilarious story. Like, well, like what d- is going on? See, like, to <laughs> me, I was actually looking at it probably a little bit deeper than you, but it seemed like it was covered up by Michigan. Could have been because if somebody's car crashes especially if it's the athletic director's car, they have a lot of influence over, you know, local police and local legislation. And they said that they, Jawan Howard said he was going to handle everything in-house. So I wouldn't be surprised if, I mean, this sounds fucked up to say, but I wouldn't <laughs> be surprised if there was, you know, drugs or alcohol involved, oh, come on. speeding involved. One of those three things, because he t- to get suspended a full game for that, you know, it seems like there was more. Like, if you if you crash the AD's car and it's a complete accident and nothing else is happening, why does that warrant a suspension? That's just a mistake. And you can, like, say you're sorry, pay it off. But, like, the suspension to me means that there's something more. I mean, I think it's a. It's not like he got suspended the rest of the season. It's just one game, and yeah, also but why he would he even a get car for that? It's not even his. I mean, it's it's a bizarre situation. Like, yeah, it I is. have. I've never heard anything like this, like let alone a guy driving mm-hmm. the '80s car. I, I'm just saying, it would I wouldn't be surprised if there was something we weren't aware of. I, I I hear you there. I think you might be going a little far, looking a little too far in it. But I just like the drama. Big, big week college, for, without James Wiseman, college basketball and the whole NCAA thing is quieted down. I just need some drama in my life. Yeah, I I agree. But the other thing is like we're also kind of spoiled with NCAA stuff because like there's always so many weird stories because these are guys that are college students that I mean we're college students so we can say this we're dumb. We don't. We don't always make. We're we're still developing. We we might make some Our, yeah, questionable your decisions. Your frontal cortex is doesn't develop until <laughs> you're science. 24, 25. So so yeah, they, yeah. But we're we're college guys. We know that the wisest decisions aren't made in college. There's that's why a lot of stories come out of it. But yeah, there are so many stories that like happen in the NCAA that if they happened in the NBA, people would be losing their minds. Like Brad Davison being a, a serial nut puncher. Like, if that was in the NBA, like, Stephen A. Smith would not stop talking about that, but... Well, he would also not... He would also not get any... Like, NBA guys don't mess around with that Yeah, stuff, exactly. You know? That's... I mean, I don't know. We've been spoiled, but that's Case like... Case number one, Grayson yeah. Allen. Yeah. In the G League currently. <laughs> but not like you're... Not like you're keeping tabs or anything. I'm not checking on him every day, every week, making sure he's still but down there. Big, big week for uh, Xavier Simpson and damaged property. He also yeah. had that against Ohio State ripped... The jersey of Kyle Young and like whatever that was a whole well, thing. He, he's probably one of the best players on that Michigan team. He's probably the best player, yeah. which is even more suspect to me. Yeah, well, we, we he's can, a senior. We, like, we, we'll move we on. Move on. Move yeah. on. Yeah, but yeah, it's on the monitor. So, uh, Bill Self also, uh, he benched Yudoka Azubuike in the game against Texas. Uh, Yudoka had a pretty bad game against mm-hmm. uh, against I think it was Texas Tech. Yeah, uh, it was over the week. weekend that uh, it, that he had the bad game. Yeah, and then they um, benched him against Texas, which I thought was weird, but. Actually, McCormick's been playing really well, so, I mean, another, another guy for Kansas. And and apparently the news out of Kansas is he played well against Texas. Mm-hmm. You know, he, he didn't start the game, and that was kind of the whole benching process. He didn't play the first part of the first half, but apparently what they say is that when he came in, he gave them really good minutes, really good energy. That's the thing with, with Ezebuke is he just needs to be active, and sometimes he can get a little bit lazy. He's mm-hmm. a huge guy. He's just a... He's kind of a beast down low, so he he's, likes to be complacent sometimes and kind of just sit in the paint and wait for people to come at him. But if he can start like moving his feet and being being active and lots of energy, he'll be fine. Yeah. Uh, he played well against Texas, so it seems like that whole yeah. story is done. Yeah, whatever. But something to monitor moving forward for sure. Yeah, Quincy McKnight also yep. that we this past Monday he I was talking about how he got hurt this past weekend. And we weren't sure his timeline, and then it comes out he was like day to day, and he actually played in the in the most recent game. Like, I think it was against Georgetown. 
So yeah. that's that's huge for Seton Hall because he was. Uh, we kind of talked about how he's a really important player for this team, and yeah. they're still. If he was out, I wouldn't like their chances to make a Final mm-hmm. Four as much as with him on the team. Yeah. So that's a that's a big get for the for the Pirates. Yeah, they dodged a bullet big time because that injury could have been was, a lot worse. It was scary looking. Like it was, did not look I great. think it ended up just being a strain. Yeah, um, it wasn't bad at all. I do have a feeling that Quincy McKnight is going to be one of those players in March that he becomes one of the big faces of the tournament. I just have a. I have a feeling he's going to hit a game winner at some point, I or that. or a big shot that propels Seton Hall into maybe an elite eight. Yeah, we'll see. I'm kind of routing for Seton Hall this tournament. They're kind yeah. of the team that they're, I've chosen. They're one of my teams, also. I definitely yeah. like them. Um, Seton Hall. I kind of I kind of like Villanova too. After watching them play, I might. Ooh. Big I East. Know. Yeah, big I don't East. know what it is. Oh, also, so we're talking about best and worst uniforms. I can't believe we didn't mention Butler's are awful. Like Butler's you uniforms like are no, nah, there's like practice uniforms. So I, but we're not gonna get back into that. I don't have that. the budget, man. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Well, they're biggies now. All right, so games to watch. Uh, this this is a really good weekend for college basketball. So uh, buckle up, especially Saturday. But tonight, Maryland at Illinois, really good. I think these are the top two teams in the Big Ten, if I'm not mistaken. It's been shuffling around a lot. But so these are two ranked teams. Maryland, we know, is not good on the road going into Illinois. It's gonna be a really tough game, so we'll, they'll see. I assume versus uh, versus Anthony Cowan, Kofi Coburn versus Jalen Smith should be a good one. Saturday is the big one, though. N- okay, so set your alarm. This is at 9 a.m. LSU at Auburn for first place in the SEC. Two ranked teams going at it. Also at the same time, Michigan State at Michigan rivalry game, Big Ten game, gonna probably be a good one. 11:30, Seton Hall at Villanova. Two of the top teams in the Big East going at it. 3 o'clock, Duke-UNC, Tobacco Road rivalry. College game day will be there for that one. College game day will be there for Jay hopefully a stellar game, but we'll see. I'm not holding any uh, reservations on how good that game's going to be, but it's at Chapel Hill. So. It's at Chapel Hill. It'll be good TV. It'll be entertaining at least. Yeah. They'll, they'll bring out the red carpet like they do every year for the Duke-UNC rivalry. Yeah. They'll have they'll have the showcase videos, you know, the classics, game winners hitting that rivalry. Austin Rivers. Uh, a lot of history there. <laughs> we don't need to go into it because it's been kind of brutal for Carolina fans. But yeah, I mean it's pretty even. So the <laughs> it's even, but our losses have been tough yeah. ones. Uh, and then the nightcap at seven o'clock p.m. is Gonzaga at St. Mary's. This is uh, I don't know if Killian Tilly's back. I think he's still hurt. So going into St. Mary's is a tough place to play. Yep, it's like a high school gym. <laughs> but St. Mary's is probably the second best team in in the yep. in the WCC. So Gonzaga could be could be losing one there. We'll see. It could be a close game. And then Sunday at nine a.m. Butler at Marquette. Um, so if you don't want to watch XFL football, you got you got college basketball cover. Seattle Dragons, baby. Seattle Dragons do play. So look look for that. We're gonna we're gonna break down the Seattle Dragons <laughs> game next week for you. Guys. Definitely. Do you have anything else? I'm good to go. Awesome. Yeah, we ran a little bit late, guys. Today we're still trying to keep the length of the shows down, uh, but we appreciate you guys. away when we talk about Xavier Simpson and stars. <laughs> yeah, we appreciate you guys tuning in though. Uh, I'm Caden Condor. I'm Josh Eddy. And this is the Box Seat Podcast. Uh, if you guys have any questions, concerns, comments, DM us on Twitter at the Box Seat. And we will talk to you guys on Monday. Peace.